0: something a little different. Um, if you've been listening to some of my podcasts, you probably notice already that I've done something different because you probably heard some music before I started talking. Um, but I thought I would give you guys a little bit of a what's happening with me in my podcast journey right now real quick. And then I want to talk about a story that I heard and it shouldn't take too long, but I'm also going to drop in a couple clips because I'm trying to continue to evolve my um, production abilities and and how I'm doing all this. So I have learned, taught myself how throughout this thing, I have developed a web page, which I've never done before. I've learned how to get my own RSS feed, which I was very excited about. And now I'm on Spotify already and should be approved for Apple podcast any minute now. So that would be really cool. And... I have learned how to convert audio files into videos, so I have a YouTube channel. I've done all this stuff, and mostly just because I've been trying to learn so that I can really, you know, teach, share what I'm saying. But more importantly, so that I can gain some really important skills that may help me with other things, but certainly have helped me kind of continue to evolve this podcast. So that's kind of where I've been today. Mostly, most of the day I've been learning how to clip stuff and um, how to put it into uh, the recording I'm doing. So this is very, very exciting for me. I feel very excited right now. And so the story that I'm going to talk about or the thing I'm going to talk about it, uh, today um, is about a professor at NYU whose name is uh, Mark Crispin Miller. And I heard about his story on another podcast that I listen to regularly called the no agenda um, podcast. And uh, which I highly recommend if you are interested in hearing news deconstruction, because they're, and they talk about all kinds of things. I mean, most of the time that I've been listening to them, there's, it's been a little COVID heavy because there's been a lot, obviously recently about COVID. I, I, Guarantee you that if you're not interested in hearing maybe some alter- alternative theories and some different opinions, that you probably won't like them. But if you are interested in hearing opinions and different ideas, they they you know I definitely do not agree with everything they say, and sometimes they come up with some outlandish fucking um, shit. What's the word I'm looking for? Like theories like they're definitely you know they and sometimes they're just being silly there it is a funny podcast to be sure most of the time there's some you know i I find myself laughing at stuff but they also you know take serious the kind of stuff that they're they're presenting and what they're talking about so it's not a podcast for everybody i'm not saying that everybody should listen to it but it's worth checking out that's that's what i'm saying and it's relevant because this particular professor at nyu is um, currently suing 19 of, his, um, of uh, his colleagues that are in the same um, media department that he is. It's um, at NYU, um, I think it's the, St- I can't remember. Hold on, I have it, I have it, I have it. It's the, um, oh, that's from this one, the Steinhardt. NYU Steinhardt School of Culture Education and Human Development and he's in the Media, Culture, and Communication Department so um, and so my kind of a backstory on what happened just briefly is that he teaches and has taught a class on propaganda for the last 20 years and one of the things that he often does is bring in current kind of events things that are happening and encourages kit the students to look into how what what whether this information is propaganda and whether it's accurate etc so in one of his classes he brought he uses the uh, the fact that they're on a zoom they're in a zoom um, environment doing this class because of the mask mandates and he talks about i think i think he said eight Um, studies that he presents to the students and and kind of leads them through you know how you dig into this you look at who did the study, what school they're at, what associations they may have with you know certain companies and how those studies could be influenced or possibly um, have some uh, uh, what's the, uh, have some uh, there's a good word for it but you know uh, encouragement to to have certain findings and I mean obviously I didn't attend the class so I don't know exact exactly what went down but apparently one of the students who was also a student that like joined the class late like she didn't she she came into the class after the class had already um, began for the semester not necessarily for that particular session but you know as a student that hadn't been there from day one of the semester and she tweeted so apparently during this discussion he opened it up to arguments and for people's comments which she did not participate in that part and then tweeted several days later about or maybe that day I don't know that she felt like he was a harm to the students because he was encouraging students not to wear masks and as a result of this several of his um, colleagues wrote a letter that was pretty, in my opinion, uh, like liable, like slander. Like they were saying things about him that could fall into that category if they were not true. Like, that, you know, and so and since I'm just researching this, you know, I, I look into this. He has a counter letter that he sent to them asking them to back down both of these are links will be attached to this um, podcast so you'll be able to see it but what i found really interesting is that immediately his dean like um thanks the student for bringing it to their attention and that there would be swift you know action taken for next steps etc keeping in mind this professor has tenure he's been teaching this same class in a similar style for 20 years i did look on his rate my professor, way back, there's definitely people who say he has a conservative lean, that he's a, he's not a fan of the CIA or the mainstream media, and this has been going on for years. It's not like he just came out of nowhere and started feeling this way this year. And so he here I'm going to play a clip where he talks about the letter that was sent to his students without... Um, him being copied on it.
1: The next day, the dean and there's a doctor who advises NYU on on their COVID regulations, you know, which are draconian. And the two of them emailed my other students directly without putting me on copy. First of all, making a ritual not to academic freedom. They always do that. And then uh, sort of hinting that I'd given them dangerous misinformation and providing a link to what they called authoritative studies from the CDC, which, if I had had a conversation with them, the senders, I would have pointed out that the CDC, mm-hmm. until early April, echoed this consensus of the studies of that I had. right not wearing masks. Right. <laughs> right. Dr. Fauci was on 60 Minutes explicitly mm-hmm. saying, you know, people shouldn't wear masks. Anyway... Um, Oceania has always been at war with East Asia, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's whatever the propaganda says, you believe. Right. You don't have any historical memory. So they sent them these studies and basically instructed them to believe, believe those.
0: I love how he refers to uh, the 1984 book when he talks about how we don't, you know, the, the, that Fauci and as you know, recently as April, I think it said, we don't need to wear masks. And the CDC was also had that same. And it took the, in one of the articles I read, it took the World Health Organization till June before they switched over and said, yeah, you guys should be wearing masks. So I thought that was interesting. But again, like, I like that he said, I didn't, I wasn't telling him what to believe, you know, that's, and he doesn't really expand on that a whole bunch. But based on what he was saying earlier in the interview... The, oh, by the way, I'm taking these clips from a podcast called Red Scare. Um, and I will um, have the link to the full podcast and you, full interview if you're interested. I definitely think you should check it out. I thought it was a pretty interesting podcast. Some of the things he said, you know, I, I, you know, rubbed me in a... Uh, you're a little bit of a wackadoo kind of way. Because it, it's hard not to feel that way when people are so, like, have such an extreme opposition attitude towards what um, we're kind of regularly being fed in the media. Even I come up against that, where I feel like, gosh, this person is a little bit on the whack side, you know? Even though I'm pretty open to different ideas, but his main point that he keeps trying to make. Well, and so he has a petition online. He has a GoFundMe, and the GoFundMe page has links to both the letter and the his response, his rebuttal. That I've put that I put the links into the show for as well. But his his main concern at this point is is that having academic freedom, where we can teach. Our younger generation to think critically look at information and being willing to hear another side of it doesn't mean that they have to agree with it or that they have to buy into it you know and i i agree with this i agree with the idea that what we are you know basically talking about it is it, particularly in relation to covid any kind of dissenting idea is being like nullified and shut up. And, and he actually covers that. His, he talks about the three things that really kind of are, he's being challenged on. And in this clip, he talks about um, his, him, his COVID heresy, which I thought was an interesting point.
1: Let me just mention the third uh, prong of the attack on me is uh, COVID heresy. I, mm-hmm. That I'm making people unsafe, and and that's in, now in their Zoom courses, <laughs> exactly. In my Zoom courses, um, I'm now. I mean, I have been, and this may be a key to why this is happening. I've been a very busy, um, I almost want to say vector, but um, source of uh, a lot of important. Information about COVID and possible remedies and its origins and the dubiousness of these experimental vaccines and the infectiousness of asymptomatic cases and the PCR tests. I mean, these are things everybody should know, but that the media has blacked out. Mm -hmm. So through my listserv and website, right, the notorious website, (laughs) I have made a lot of this stuff available. Mm -hmm. And um, I I have found myself suddenly to be a lone academic voice, uh, or one of very, very few in the West, who uh, readily provides that kind of information and invites other points of view.
0: So here again, he's talking about the fact that He invites other points of view. And granted, the information he's putting out there is probably being questioned a lot. And I know that some of you listening may be the kind of folks that extremely believe that Fauci is correct and what he says is accurate and, you know, that the science. and, And I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't have your own beliefs. I'm not trying to say that at all. And I don't think anything is bad about feeling confident, and and con- conviction about what you believe in. But if you're so convicted, if you have such, like, unwavering conviction that you can't even hear another side of the story without saying, ah, conspiracy theory, ah, you're, you know, you don't believe the science, no, you're stupid, you're an idiot, like all these things, and if you've heard any of my podcasts before, you know that I talk about this pretty regularly because it's very frustrating for me. But the idea that we're trying to silence anybody who doesn't say exactly the same thing as the message that we agree with is very frightening, especially if it's happening at, like, the level of a professor who is teaching our our children. And I mean, everything I've listened and read to about this guy so far really seems like he's not, like, pounding out his beliefs. He's teaching... The kids to think critically, and I remember I took a class in high school. I think I may have talked about this on a previous um, blast. I don't know, but I took a class in high school. It was one of my favorite classes. It was called mass media, and in that class, I learned about how advertisement used like trickery and lying to to get us to want to buy their products. They, you know, we learned about the white the white coat law we learned about you know like so my favorite example from that class that i always remember whenever i see it is the four out of five dentists say and you know and you're you're seeing a picture of somebody in a mirror where you don't see their face they're not wearing a a they're not wearing a white coat or dentist garb but the the caption is four out of five dentists agree that this or whatever i can't remember what the brand is but the i the the concept is is that you can't have somebody go on the screen, that isn't an actual doctor in a white coat and pretend to be a doctor giving medical advice or c- c- um, uh, confirming something is true or something of this nature, and uh, in advertisement. And so, this is a way that, that that particular it was, I think it was a gum commercial, I don't remember, but that this company used... And and I've seen it. I, I'm, I don't know about you, but I've seen this happen where they have, like, a report of a dentist or a doctor agreeing with this stuff, but the people on the screen are, like, not in coats. They're not doctors. It's just a claim that's being made kind of openly without any real proof. We're not hearing it straight from the doctor's mouth, so to speak. And so... I learned so much in this class. I We, she covered, like, it really opened my eyes to the idea that the messaging that's coming to me, particularly from advertisement, but even from the media at large, we talked about news and sensationalism, and we talked about advertisement, advertisers' weight um, in the, in the 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 way that they manipulate the way that they talk and the way that they inspire and um, you know this guy the Miller even wrote um, a I believe the foreword for one of Bernays's books now I don't know if you've ever heard of Bernays um, I Edward Bernays he uh, so I I'll put a link for him because I've only recently learned about him um, he was an Australian American pioneer in the field of public relations and p- propaganda. Um, referred to it in his obituary as the father of public relations, Bernays was named one of the 100 most influential Americans of the 20th, 20th century by life. He was subject to a full biography um, by Larry Ty, called The father of the spin, I'm sorry, the father of spin that was in 1999. uh, After he died, by the way, he died in uh, 1995. And later, an award-winning 2002 documentary for the BBC by Adam Curtis called "The uh, Century of the Self." Um, But it it says he was best. His best-known campaigns included the 1929 effort to promote female smoking by branding cigarettes as feminist. Torches of freedom, um, and he also was. So he's done a lot. There's you can check into him more. But that one really caught my attention because that's. I heard about this on another podcast I listened to called Mo Facts, which is another great podcast that I would totally recommend, um, especially if you're interested in hearing more about how um, the the culture of uh, African descendants of slaves has been kind of manipulated over the years. Mo does a really great job of deconstructing that and talking about that and bringing up some really interesting points and he uses a lot of great clips. But so Bernays, um, so it, it, what is a, he? He's kind of he wrote a book called Propaganda, I believe, is one of his books. So he's a, a very well known like person who taught, who taught the media how to influence us. And she asks about him a little bit and asks if um, the the interviewer on this uh, podcast asks if he feels like there's been a big difference between, uh, since he wrote that forward. And this is basically his response to that.
1: And the technological apparatus on which it's based, I think is even more hypnotic, and arresting than previous media, you know. So we're all online. I mean, the Internet, on the one hand, is a great resource, or I should say has been a great resource for those interested in counter-narratives. I've been saying this for years, that younger people who are used to the Internet are not as reverent towards the New York Times And not as freaked out by uh, Mm -hmm. the conspiracy theory meme. And are more receptive because for a couple of decades now, the other side of the story has been available just a click away. Even as we speak, that's changing because so much stuff is being deleted and blocked, um, Mm -hmm. flagged as false. Right, And Google has, and Facebook, etc., have a great deal to do with this, you know. Uh, so as the Internet has become more and more enthralled to a few private companies, uh, we see the Internet go the way of the previous media, which already were excessively dominated by like six multinationals. So all, all that has meant that it's changed since Bernays' day, but it is fundamentally the same.
0: So I think he makes a really interesting kind of point here that the technology for a long time made it so that we could feel comfortable getting the other side of the story. We could, it's just a click away. You can you can read all of the different angles and decide for yourself what made the most sense to you. And, you know, whereas now, particularly recently, I think, you know, he he, he says this a little bit that that's that we're losing some of that because it's harder and harder to find stories unless you do go to like more extreme um opinions and that's hard too because i i i don't always i don't generally agree with any extreme very super rigid opinion on one side or the other i it's i like my i i try really hard to Get my information from people who have as little opinion in it as possible, but that's very difficult to find today. It's almost impossible, in some cases, particularly anything that's super fired up. And then you go onto social media, and you've got people who are making memes, and you know, listing things, and making accusations, or, or echoing the the kind of like opinionated um, information that's coming. At them and I, I I don't blame you it's you know I'm not saying anybody's wrong or right I'm I'm just saying it's harder and harder to get information that I can make my own personal like a judgment about that doesn't come with an opinion or a bias or you know in some cases an agenda you know and but the one thing that he says at the end there is that fundamentally propaganda the way that we are um, our feelings are played upon. The way that we are kind of manipulated by the information that we're giving has, is fundamentally the same, and has been ever since. And so, I, I really recommend that you listen to this interview um, if you're at all interested in. I mean, he, he talks about a lot of stuff. He talks about why the mask mandate he feels has has been so successful, and you know, and he talks about you know the. It, it, it's, there's a lot of really good information in here, and he has a lot. He's obviously been doing this for a very long time, and he has a good breadth of experience to draw on of things that he's seen and talked about and taught. It was I thought it was incredible. But I guess I wanted to leave you with this question. Do you feel... That we are more susceptible to propaganda and less willing to entertain ideas that do not fit the narrative we are comfortable with if you know like because that's how i feel like we're starting to get less and i feel like less and less conversations i have with people are very um kind of robust good conversations where we 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 you know talk about some ideas and we agree one some or we disagree on others and you know I, I express my views on it and, and then other people's ex- express their views and it feels like the more it's definitely on social media those conversations don't happen you get into like a, a beef with somebody on a subject that's just happened to me I was all lit up about um, something that happened with uh, somebody who was homeless and the, the messaging no, nobody was agreeing with me or supporting me that had necessarily... Because my point wasn't that what he did is okay or this poor guy. It was like, we need a better solution. And all the kind of pushback was what he did was disgusting and wrong and that's he should just be in jail. And I, I, my continued point over and over and over again is that it, I, solutions to problems that communities have to deal with in homelessness cannot be solved by imprisoning people that aren't really committing actual crimes against people. Mm-hmm. But I, I won't get too deep into that. But this, this is the kind of thing is like the, the discussion that we were having, it wasn't, an, it wasn't a, a discussion where people were like lear- listening to understand. And they were listening to fight me they were they weren't even listening they were they sometimes they wouldn't even address a point i made they would just push back and say something else and so i and i i I feel that more and more these days where the 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 discourse the discord that i'm having with people isn't interesting and evolved and backed with actual supporting information and articles or anything it's just this it's just opinion based and it's and it's and if it if I'm talking to somebody who's super bison and is all for all the whatever the mainstream media is is pitching at them then it's very difficult to get into a really good give and take conversation and I have certainly felt that more prevalently in the last year than I have previously even though I think it's been going on for a while this last year has without a doubt made it extraordinarily clear that having open dialogue of different ideas is not necessarily something that is as encouraged anymore and that's concerning and so that's what I have to say y'all take it easy now hope you've enjoyed this we'll talk to you soon